All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to it. The quarantine version of it. Not that different than the other version, really, to be honest with you. Comedian Byron Bowers is on today. We taped this before this shit went down, before the quarantining really got off in earnest. He, uh, you might, I don't know if you know his stand-up, but he was also in um, Honey Boy, the uh, Shia LaBeouf movie that he wrote, and uh, Byron's wife directed it, which for some reason I didn't realize throughout the entire interview. I uh, didn't know that that was the situation. He said that she was director. I didn't uh, think to ask because I'm a fucking idiot, I guess. But uh, yeah, his girl. I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his wife. I, that will be revealed in the conversation. But nonetheless, funny guy, interesting guy, uh, interesting perception of things. As I recall, heading back into this conversation that I did a few weeks ago, I remember trying to kind of hang on to where he was coming from. Make sure I was following the thread. So that's going to happen for all of you shortly. I appreciate, I always appreciate all the emails. I try to read um, all of them. All you people that are getting and staying sober, very inspirational. I always like hearing from you. And I'm happy that uh, even in this time of isolation and uh, fear, that uh, I'm getting a lot of nice emails from people staying sober. Uh, I've never, I don't think I've eaten healthier in my life. There's really no bending because you're, you're limited to what you have in the house. And I guess that really depends what you have in your house. And I guess my heart has to go out to those of you with kids that have to supply them with the sugar and uh, fun food that they demand and deserve as children to make them happy. Even if it, fucks them up a little bit you'll give them a little of that stuff right so that stuff's around the house and it's hard i bet you it's hard not to eat it hard not to eat the fun cereals who doesn't want a bowl of cocoa pebbles when they're in their mid-50s why not have some of that around is there anyone out there that does that is there anybody out there in their 50s who still eats the cereal that they ate when they were a child are there any 55 to 60-year-old people out there just like reading the back of a box of Lucky Charms? Not my thing, Lucky Charms. Not my thing. Even the good part of Lucky Charms, the marshmallow things, were not great. Not a fun cereal. Quisp, not great. I was Cocoa Pebbles guy. I've discussed this before. But are there people, are there people in their 60s fucking up the roof of your mouth with the Captain Crunch. That'd be the thing to do, though. You know when you're afraid and you think this might be it? Why not have some cereal as opposed to, you know, shoot heroin or drink a pint of fucking bourbon or snort a bunch of rails? If you're an addict and you're going down the drain, reach back into your brain and and think about what was that cereal? probably where it started man i'll blame cocoa pebbles for my drug problem i'll do it right now because it was fred fred and barney's there was their fault what else did you like cocoa puffs i think used to be good 
Frosted Flakes were okay. That's all still around, right? They have no reason to shop for this stuff. I even enjoyed that cereal life, but that seemed like a grown-up cereal. Whatever you got to do to get by, people. Seriously, though. Just try not to compound the fear and panic and kind of hopelessness of isolation with self-flagellation and self-hatred. Just know in your heart that nobody's doing anything that they can't do at home. You're not losing. We're all on the same page. So it was only a matter of time before this would happen. I mean, we've done well over a thousand of these interviews and, uh, and it, I was sort of hoping the day wouldn't come that we found out that uh, a former guest died of coronavirus, but it, it happened the day before yesterday. Adam Schlesinger, uh, the composer and pop songwriter, former member and co-founder of the band Fountains of Wayne, musical producer for for my crazy ex-girlfriend for years, Emmy Award winning, uh, Grammy winning, I believe Tony nominated, Golden Globe nominated, but all that stuff. He was clearly a musical wizard, a genius of, of, of pop songwriting, musical songwriting, very gifted man, but, but also a very young man, 52 years old, was not sick, was not compromised immunologically that anyone knew of. He was a friend of a friend of mine. And it's just, it's, it's devastating. It's, it's really only a matter of time and probably a short time before everyone is directly affected by this, by this virus. And it's sad that so many people in this country don't really take it as seriously as they should, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. We lost a brilliant artist that had a lot of good years ahead of him. And another guest, a former guest of this show, John Prine, one of the greatest American songwriters, is sick with this disease, and he's old, and he's he's struggling for his life. And I hope he pulls through. I'm sad and sorry that we lost Adam. And like we do, we don't like to do it, but we do um, in honor of the artists that passed, we, we re-release or, you know, put the, put the episode back in the feed so everybody can hear it. Uh, I talked to Adam back in December of 2012, didn't know him that well, got a little familiar with his work. My girlfriend at the time was a huge fan of Fountains of Wayne. My friend, John Daniel, one of my best friends, uh, was really a, a champion of Adam's uh, genius. And, you know, I got to know him uh, during that, that episode. And, and you can listen to that if you want. But, uh, but it's just a sad day. Sad day to have to say a few words for a 52-year-old man who was gifted and gone now because of this illness. So rest in peace. Adam Schlesinger, and take care of yourselves, people, really. Really. Jesus, God, I can't, it's so hard on a day-to-day basis to kind of reconcile your deep 
habit and desire to think things are going to be okay with the fact of the matter. And again, a great deal of gratitude and love and respect goes out to everyone, you know, helping the people that are overwhelmed with sickness and the sick, the healthcare workers, the first responders, police, ambulance drivers, people delivering food, people who are actually really doing essential services. God, you know, thanks, you know, because a lot of us out here, we're holed up in our homes. We can watch what's on TV. We can look at our phones, but we're not going to the hospital every day. We don't know the shit show of chaos and, and horror and death and disease that you guys are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Thank you very much for doing that. And I hope to God I don't get sick, but if I do, I hope that, you know, someone is there to receive me and take care of me. Um, and I hope that the supplies are there. And I know most of you realize, uh, I don't need to have, to, I don't need to tell you that, you know, obviously we're living in a failed state and that our government's reaction to this was too late and, and it was not enough. And a lot of what the federal government's supposed to do, uh, they're not doing because over the last uh, few years, but certainly over the last 20, whenever possible, uh, Republicans try to uh, dismantle the government, uh, everything they see as non-essential, and some of that being what was needed to respond to this properly. So this is the goal, the failed state. This is the Republican vision. Let private enterprise take care of it. Great. So now we have people that need ventilators and masks, and there's a bidding war going on over who is going to make a profit on those items and which states they're going to sell to. It's all working out. Good vision. But uh, but again, thank you to everybody that's sa- sacrificing, self-sacrificing in the face of this horror show. Um, my job here has been deemed an essential service, but I wouldn't call it self-sacrificing. I, I know that I'm in a privileged uh, position, but I'm trying to do what I can. Okay, I was trying to figure out, I'm doing something this weekend uh, for Comedy Gives Back. Uh, it's, it's called Comedy Gives Back Laugh-Aid, and it's a benefit to help comedians who have lost work and income due to the uh, coronavirus. Um, it's obviously not a cure, but it can do a lot of, a lot of good. Comedy Gives Back com check that out but i think it's saturday is that the fourth anyway look man you don't need paper towels if you have dish towels and you can wash them you can use them you can use them for anything what did people use before toilet paper seriously it must have i you never see that in any of the movies the period pieces what are they using for toilet paper where's that detail i like that detail I had to go out, had to go out into the world. I've taken, I've cut, oh, I, I made my own mask. Is that helpful? I just cut the bottom off a t-shirt about five or six inches wide and I cut one of the seams and then I used the other side of the shirt, that seam, to go run down the line of my nose, down through my chin and then just tie it behind my back. But from what I understand, some people are going to give me some uh, handmade, uh, hand-sewn masks, which I'm excited about. Because I think you probably should wear them when you go out. Even if people are on the fence about it, why not just wear them? Is it going to be, is it in any way a bad thing to wear them? Also, my special, still on Netflix. It's also brought all my other specials to the fore. 
all the other the the other two that I did for Netflix over the years. So all three are, are kind of uh, front and center. Going back to Thinky Pain, which I think was two thousand, geez, I don't know, ten or eleven, um, and then uh, Too Real, and now the new one, End Times Fun. People are still enjoying, and I and I'm glad you like it. I like hearing about it. So this is an email. Alexandra sent it. Dear Mark, yesterday I gloved up, masked up, and walked my suitcase from my Brooklyn apartment to a Hertz and got the fuck out of Dodge. Read New York. I'm one of the lucky few who has a job that is remotable and had enough bread in my basket to make this kind of rash decision. I fled to Dayton, Ohio, where I am self-quarantining for my 14 days until my friend and her incredible family are taking me into their Corona tribe to ride this out. They have land, four dogs, a cat, and most precious of all, each other. I wanted to write you because the night before I left, I downloaded 10 hours of WTF to last me the drive. I had a strategy and it paid off beautifully. See full strategy below. We're getting there. Thank you for still podcasting. I look forward to every dispatch. I've been forwarding your newsletters to my friends who know I need a voice of reason, admissions of uncertainty, and of course, a fucking laugh. Love and stay healthy and thank you, Alex. And then she gave the, the, the layout. Marin Drive. Brooklyn to Ohio, March 31st, 2020. Anthony Bourdain, one hour, 22 minutes. A comfort episode for me and familiar enough with the episode to quasi-listen while I navigated out of the city. Gary Shandling, one hour, 20 minutes. As expected, once I was out of the city, I needed some space to process and get existential. Thanks to you and Gary. Uh, Mark Marin has told to Mike Birbiglia, one hour, 34 minutes. Another comfort episode that makes me think and laugh. Rob Riggle, one hour, 10 minutes. Remembered the 9-11 part of this episode and thought it would be soothing to hear about another time when the world imploded and remind myself that this too will end. Maria Bamford, one hour, seven minutes. You and Maria fleeing a nerd parade, said with love, in parentheses, back in the day. No further explanation needed. Bob Zamuda, two hours, seven minutes. 6.5 hours in and I knew I would need a never heard episode and a meaty one. Was hoping this episode would provide some clarity on some of the Andy myths, but alas, or maybe, thank goodness, it didn't. Nate Bargatze, one hour, 22 minutes, bringing it home with a comfort episode to top all comfort episodes. I'm from Nashville. Nate's accent is soothing to my brain. I've been to the Applebee's where he met his wife. I sold drums at the Guitar Center across the street, and we'd have lunch at the Bees. And like you said, he's just so damn funny. Well, Alex, thank you for sending this. And I, you know, I, I hope that maybe that'll provide a template for others who need to flee wherever and they have 10 hours to fill. But as you, sh- as you should all know, you can go get Stitcher Premium and get all of the episodes, all of them. Cat update, Buster is getting fat and uh, Monkey is okay. He's pretty good. Everybody's well, and now I'd like to share with you my conversation with the comedian Byron Bowers. Uh, You can currently watch him in the film Honey Boy on Amazon Prime Video. And uh, here we go into the interesting mind of Byron Bowers. You know, it's weird because I've seen you around for years. We've never hung out. 
We're always sort of in passing. Yes. How's it going? Man, you know what? I don't what? know. I don't know. Did you get the feeling like we didn't like each other or what? No, it wasn't that. I just I just I just respect the game and I know where I'm at and hopefully I will get to the point <laughs> where we face each other like we do now. Right. To me, I don't look at it. I, I guess I've been disrespected. I could, what I would call disrespected so much in really? life. Yeah. That uh, and coming from where I'm uh, born in a small town, moving to the city. Yeah. That I learned that you got to work your way up. You got to earn that respect. It was weird because, like, I, you know, I always I didn't have any disrespect. But I just didn't know. Like, I'd see you around, but by the time you were coming around. You know, I was sort of moving, like, I was sort of moving out of the alternative rooms. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I'd see at the store, when he started coming around the store more, I'm like, oh, there's a there's Byron. You know, like, because I didn't, you know, I, I felt like an old man already. So well, was, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's perception. Mm. It's perception. It, it has nothing to do with you. Right. That's You're, what I'm learning about life. It's all, <laughs> it's all your fucking perception brain. and your own, however Proje- you handle it, tra- right. traumatically, you know? Uh, yeah, projections and perception. Yeah. You assume so, things based on your own broken brain. True, true. <laughs> but I recognize the pattern. I'm like, if I get to a point, yeah, you know, um, I j- like I just met Jay Z and and really, where'd you meet him? At a gold party at the uh, after one of the award show. Uh, oh, oh, really? Yeah, after, after the Oscars. Because that's where I said we got to do the podcast. I saw you on the red carpet. Yes, we're both standing there like a couple of comedians going, "Look at this." Yeah, that's this just, is fucking crazy. This is crazy. So that's why I'm at the point where I'm just questioning everything because it kind of like happened. Life don't happen as you plan. Well, what happened with Jay-Z? Well, I shook his hand and he was just like, hey, but it was quick. Yeah. It was one of them interesting handshakes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 a fan to Jay-Z. Right. The way he's shaking my hand is not like a business person, but it's like a fan, which right. is cool. Yeah. Because I've been through it so many times. Right. And then I got reintroduced to him. And he was like, yeah, I met him already. So I'm like, oh, okay. The same night? The same night. Oh, so it's like, so now oh. you're annoying him. <laughs> well, a part of it is, but I'm like, oh, we're going to bump remember? into each other. Like, right. We're going to bump into each other. Yeah. Because to me, it's like, oh, I'm on this level. Right. Just like when we were going to shows. Yeah. When we started doing the same shows. Me and you? Yeah. Like, like Nerd Melt? Nerd Melt. I feel like Nerd Melt was the first time I saw you. It, yeah, it started at Nerd Melt. Mm. I was in the corner. Like like with everything in life, just watching it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Emily, bless her heart, put me on uh, to the Nerd Mill stage. Yeah. And I remember when she booked me, and I, I probably sounded cocky. I was like, make sure it's a good show. Yeah. I told her that. <laughs> She's like, all my shows are good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Right. I, I probably overstepped it my, uh-huh. uh, you know, my lane. But uh-huh. yeah, man, it was some wonderful shows. It hasn't been the same since. Is it still going on? No, but the scene, the scene to me has changed. Well, I think that, you know, I think that it was built on a faulty premise to begin with. You know, the whole nerd melt alternative comedy scene. It had a crowd, but it was a trend. It was a fad. Whereas, like, you go to the comedy store, that's eternal. That's true, but even the store was struggling. The store was struggling, for sure, because it was like a dark fucking shithole for a long time. But then everybody got proud of it. And, you know, and Brenton, you know, got that the social uh, networking uh, going and yeah. they got rid of Tommy and brought Adam in. And then fucking Peter took over the place and we all were excited to work there. I think we, you know, our excitement about the store brought the people in. Uh, I agree. Cause, yeah. I mean, Tommy, I was there. I remember meeting Mitzi and shaking her hand. And oh, so you go that far back? I mean, I got in like 2010 or 11 and it wasn't. 
it wasn't a moment that everybody else have getting passed in the store. It's like, it's like watching my ex-wife leave in a U-Haul and then getting the call that I got passed. Like, life is a balance, you know. Is that what happened? That's what happened, yeah. So let's go back. So you you, you say, you, where do you come from? Uh, I came from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta? Yeah. And that's where you grew up? I grew up in Atlanta, yeah. Born in Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia. UGA. That's, that's a nice town. It's but nice. It's, it's, it's a little rock and roll town. That's the part I know. I yeah. I'm sure it's not. I don't know I mean, what you know. It's separated, man. You got <laughs> yeah, I know. The, you I got know. the lo- any college town, you have the locals. Yeah. And you got the college people that's uh-huh. there to like have uh-huh. fun and stuff. And and the, and the locals. The locals, man. It's like <laughs> you were local. I was uh, my my family more the local. Like uh-huh. I, me going to Athens. I remember somebody saying, "Don't don't fuck a local." Yeah. They didn't know I was from there. But really? that's the thing, yeah. Don't don't if you have sex with somebody, don't have sex with a local. Yeah. Or don't because they'll like, never leave. Or or they might try to trap you. And I'm like, oh, they say the same about Jamaica when you go to Jamaica. Is that true? Yeah. Versus you know different countries you go to is the similar thing. You know, like be careful of the locals. They're gonna pickpocket you or oh or they're gonna rob you or oh. all that stuff. Oh, I thought like, you meant like trap you into having a kid. Well, that's the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's the that's the 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 far end of it. Well, the I kid mean, problem. Yeah. you're lucky if you just get robbed. You're lucky if you get robbed. <laughs> it's supposed to a lifetime of robbing. Yeah, so I mean, so um, that was it. that was word on the street. Don't fuck a local. That yep. And you were a local, but how long did you were you there for? I think it's like six. I was back and oh. forth, but I, I I left at six, and then I had to come back because uh, the state um, was going to try to take uh, me and my sister from my mother, so she had to send us back to Athens. To Athens for a so, while. So, like, what's the, what's the layout of the family? So, it's just you just got a sister? I have a sister, yeah. Yeah. And two separate fathers, which is a blessing. Two separate fathers. So, your sister's got a different father. Sister got Same different mom. Father. Same mom, different father. So, who's the blessing for her or you? For, I mean, like, you know, most kids, I, I say get two separate rooms. But yeah. We got two separate dads. You know? Oh, so you had a relationship with both of them? Uh, no, we didn't have a relationship with none of them. <laughs> So it was no the jealousy, you know. And when they when you play the dozens in the streets, they talk about each other's mom. Yeah. But me and my sister talked about each other's dad. Yeah. Like, oh, your dad ain't shit. Your dad ain't shit. Right. Your dad ain't only got one arm. But fuck you. Okay. You know. So. Yeah, but, <laughs> you both knew it was empty and insults because you didn't know your dads. Yeah, but we did. Yeah, now you know we we closer than that. You know. Oh, yeah. I was but, at my dad. I was at her dad's funeral. She was at my dad's funeral. And when when it ended, like they folded the flag. Yeah. And they was lowering my dad into the ground. You hearing that clicking noise? Yeah. I remember yeah. looking back. I was sitting down, yeah. and she was standing behind me. And I looked at her, and she was her eyes was watery. And I was like, "My dad's funeral was better than your dad's funeral." <laughs> <laughs> she, she started laughing. She was like, "You're right. You're right." <laughs> your dad was a military funeral. He was. Uh, they had the guys come out, yeah, and uh, fold the flag because he was in the navy. Uh huh. Her dad wasn't in the military. No, he wasn't in the military, but he was a. He he had a, a normal life like he worked thirty years. Yeah. And he retired in three months into his retirement. Dropped dead. He passed. Yeah. Well, he didn't drop dead. He was a very healthy. He jogged like four miles every day. Yeah. But somebody hit him in a car, which is oh. funny. It's funny and sad at the same time. That's the worst, man. It's the worst because she was probably texting too. Uh, you said who? The person that, was, that hit in him in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sad because um, you know he spent he he dedicated all that time to. His job, right. yeah, and they were just building their relationship, and he was like, "I'm finna do what I want to do in life now." Yeah, and then it happened. Got slammed. Meanwhile, my dad, drugs, 
prostitutes, yeah. you know. Uh, kept living. Paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy, you know, it's almost like rich dad, poor dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in a tragic way, he was like, yeah. So you okay? So you you you're born in Athens, and your mom splits and goes to Atlanta with you and your sister. Yeah, she left my, my because your dad was a scary fucker, or what? No, she left my sister's father. She oh. was married to my sister's father. Oh, so you're older. I'm older. Yeah. Okay. They, my mom and dad were never married. You okay. Know? Yeah. And um, yeah, she she split and left uh for reasons we're not quite sure. Oh really? Of yeah, because because uh, I thought that was the good dad. Well, it, I mean. To, to the next family, probably more than, than <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. You know, when you're in, in our mm-hmm. towns and you're not from L.A., people have kids 19, you know, 20. Right. They don't, we don't know ourselves then. Yeah. Just looking back on the, the shit we all got into. We don't you know like ourselves. You mean oh, so like her, her old man had, had her when he was young? Yeah. Um, a little yeah. bit after me, they probably was 24, 25, yeah. but I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what do you know? Yeah, what do you know? Yeah. Yeah, so if you got dreams and you're in a place like Athens, then that really don't go together because... I have no sense of Athens other than the you know the the independent music scene. The independent and that, you have the people that, you know, any small town is like, you want to do what? Yeah. Man, you better go work at the at the plant, at the chicken plant. Right. Is there a chicken plant there? Yeah, it's a chicken plant there. Ugh. My aunt and my cousin worked there from two different families. Like the, my aunt on my mother's side worked there. And Just my cousin killing chickens side. and taking the feathers off? Cutting Just them taking off. them feathers off, man, and like putting them in packages, mm. you know, mm-hmm. trying to probably sneak some free chicken out the Get back. Get some free chicken so and some health care, probably. Some health care, you know. That's what you do it for. Yeah, my grandfather hauled chickens, which was cool, because he would bring chickens. Chicken trucks? Yeah. Yeah. Bring chicken, like baby chicks, home. Yeah. And we had chickens, chickens in the back. Yeah, like they got a certain smell to them. Baby chickens. Yeah. Yeah. And you had big chickens in the back? Yeah, big chickens in the back. That's where the eggs came from. Every day you had fresh eggs. Every day fresh eggs. Corn came out the back. Wine came from the, the vine. Really? Uh, you guys made wine? Strawberry grandfather made wine, muscadine wine. Did he have like a farm? Uh, you know what? Big he enough probably, piece of property for that shit? For, he, they, they descended the farmers, right? They, yeah. they didn't graduate school at all. Right. So they farmers. Uh, yeah. And then, um, so that's what they did with acre, two acre land. Uh-huh. I mean, which was big to me that's at big. the time. It's pretty big. Man, they had Acres everything. big? Yeah. Yeah. Watermelon, beans. And then the, the land overlapped with the neighbor's land. So yeah. they gave him that land and he would give them like- Oh, stuff he grew. Stuff he grew. And then he would fish. We'd go fishing on the weekend. So this is your grandfather? This is me young, yeah. Training us to hunt. They give us guns at like eight. And they trying to teach you how to really like- feed yourself your grandfather yeah yeah and he grew all that stuff he grew it yeah corn i remember having to shuck corn and like get split peas with your fingers it's it's not nice until you older and you like oh we had it yeah that was the life yeah you don't remember pecans fall off off the tree you pick them the pies come from that i moved to the city and it was just different were you excited though i mean like i mean it seems like uh i guess like it's hard to appreciate things when you're six yeah, I mean, all I know is I just had a moment of sadness when I moved to Atlanta, right? Sure, yeah. But before then, you ki- you out with bow and arrows, you getting sticks, and you hunting for like wild dogs. Bow and, bow and arrows? You making, yeah, you making, you getting sticks, and you pretending they bow and arrows, oh, oh, yeah. and you just in the woods hunting for wild dogs. Wild like, dogs? Yeah. Were there a lot of wild dogs? That's what we heard. <laughs> They'd be like, stay out of the woods. There's wild, wild dogs. They'll, they'll attack you. They probably were stray dogs. But what'd you take with the guns that you're shooting birds? We started with birds. I Quails? Shot, Cans and birds mm. and uh, BB is pellets. So you pumping oh, yeah. like 40, 
40, 40 times, times just again. Yeah. But not shotguns? Uh, shotguns they all had. My yeah. granddad had like eight shotguns. and they. He didn't go out for the, what do you call those little birds? The quails or the mm. uh, or the doves? Rabbits. Or oh, rabbits. Rabbits, got rabbits. Deers, yeah. And deers? Yeah. Can't Grind shoot, a deer and make deer meat. I don't think you can shoot a deer with a shotgun. You got to shoot it with a bullet bullet. Well, uh, you can because it's a heavy gauge. I know, but then you got to pick all those pellets out of the Well, the like these guys are like, I <laughs> they, mean. They nailed it. They 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 I remember watching them break rabbit down, which was scary. To rip that skin off? and Man. All I knew of Cut it up like a chicken? Cut it up and just peeling. I remember the peeling of this. It's disturbing. This, yeah. It's, it's like, a, yeah, like a glove coming off. Yeah. Ugh. I shot one bird. I shot uh, one bird, and I watched it pass, okay. and it was that was the only animal I, sh I shot. I had the exact same experience. I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Like, like some guy talked me into doing it with a pellet. Yeah, and I, and I watched it fall and die. And, and I, it still. If I think about it now, it upsets me. Man, it's it's interesting. And then you, ten years later, you in a city, and gunfire just erupts. Boo, 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 boo. And you, like, you heard it a lot? Um, enough. So you moved to the Atlanta with your sister and your mother when you were six? Six, then back to Athens, and then back probably like at 11 or 12. Wait, so what happened? The, the state was going to take you guys? Yeah, according to my mom. Oh. I guess... Uh, the other guy, the father... No rat father was there. Yeah. No, but he ratted her out. He must... Who, 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 who called the cops? Allegedly, it was an in, internal family thing. It was a jealousy internal family, probably one of my mom's sisters. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck, man? Yeah, man, so. So she was jealous of what, that she had her kids? I don't know. You know that lady? Your aunt? Yeah, we, I just got into a, I just got into it with her. Just now? Thanksgiving, I had to eat Thanksgiving outside. I never thought I'd be the guy who get into the fight. Every family is a fight. <laughs> you had to eat Thanksgiving outside? Yeah, I showed up to the South. I showed up to Athens, Georgia, with a Jew and a dog. Uh-huh. A and Jew? A Jewish chick. Yeah. And, and a, a dog. And a dog. An Israeli and a dog. That's your girlfriend's Israeli? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I tried to bring the dog in the house. Uh-huh. And they was like, you not bringing this dog in the house. And I'm like, I got papers. All that L.A. This LA shit. Like, I got, it's my emotional support. Dog. Really? And I'm ra I ran in the house with the dog. And it's like 40 motherfuckers just looking at me angry. And I ain't, I panicked because I didn't make any plans. I uh -huh. just in the house with a dog, just ran in the house, and then I ain't, I ain't know what to say. So I was like, just get her some water. She thirsty. Yeah, she been on the plane all day. This right when you get there. That's when I get there. Did you have papers for the Jew? No, no, no. <laughs> My girl just stayed outside. She just stayed outside. You know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, of course. But it's 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 so it's so weird. Mm. It's just weird, right? Mm. It's just weird. So, okay, so your girlfriend doesn't even go into the house. You go in with the dog. Everybody freaks out. Yep. And that that's not, and then, you know, so your dog's probably freaked out. Dog freaked out. And you're freaked out. I'm 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 on 10. Was it really? I got anger. You know, the anger issues, you don't even know. You're not even thinking once the, uh -huh. once the thing, once the whatever you raise, whatever you want yeah. to call it here, uh -huh. you just, you uh, gung-ho. Oh, so right away. You gung-ho. Yeah, so I just did. picked the dog up and just ran in the house. Out of the house or in the, in house? the house with the dog. Yeah. So the dog, you actually have a license, papers for the dog because you need the dog. It's an emotional support dog. Well, I mean, it's my girl dog. So she oh, it's her dog. Papers, yeah. But Does she need the dog for emotional support. Yeah, and apparently I need the dog too. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the dog didn't stop the anger. No, no, it didn't. Uh, but 
I calm down. You know what I mean? It's so, a growing thing, I guess. Sure. So what happened? So your aunt got pissed off and you had to eat outside? Yeah, we ate outside. I mean, everybody, you know, the dog just wasn't coming in the house. You know, so, so you ate outside with the dog and, ate the, outside with the and dog your Jewish girlfriend? And my girlfriend and like my uncles and stuff, they were outside. Okay. So it wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't terrible, but it still was like, you got to calm down. It takes like 10 minutes or something. something One, oh, down. you had to calm down? Yeah, I did. You got a rage problem? Uh, I never really looked at it, but if I was the, it could it could be something. Once it starts, you gotta yeah. it's gotta go all the way through. It gotta go, yeah. It gotta go, or <laughs> I'm getting yeah. better at it, but it just it just came out of nowhere though. I don't know where it developed from. Oh, so in that moment or in general? In general. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it, it's it's horrible when you get hit with it. Yeah, so like you know, usually you can keep it under wraps, and all of a sudden something will trigger it. Well, like, I have you fucking kidding. Yeah, you get loud. You get loud, man. Yeah. And I, I, I've had to apologize for people ten minutes later. Oh yeah, I I used to do a joke about that. Like I'm, tr- I'm, 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 I'm closing the gap between an outburst and apology. Oh, like, that's yeah, good. Like it used to be, and now it's got down to like, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, that's, going, that's hilarious. <laughs> Look, man, they, I don't know. People don't know, man. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think I put up with so much for so long internally and then yeah. held it in until it just- It popped. It's like, poof. Yeah. Like, oh. You don't know what's going to pop it. But it's better than like schizophrenia, you know. So yeah, let's talk. Like, so Okay, so you you go back and forth. You weren't taken away from your mother, but you end up growing up in Atlanta. Yeah, I ended up growing up in Atlanta with my mom. I moved, My mom got her stuff together, and me and my sister moved back with my mom. And that's where you went from age what seven or eight all the way through. No, I was there. I back and I back in Athens like six, and then I remember landing in the fourth grade in Atlanta. Yeah, and then having to deal with the school systems. Even mm. in both places, I had to deal with the school system. What do you, you mean know? deal with them? Because we lived in a different place. Yeah. Uh, than we were supposed to. Right. And I had disciplinary problems, and they just couldn't send me home. What do you mean they couldn't send you home? Because normally back in the day they would send you home, like yeah. go home, and you'd be like, I'd be like, I can't go home. I live too far. Oh, I see. So Where they, you live? I don't know. It's take a few hours to get here. You know. Really? And well, then I don't that's understand. how they that's how, how they would find out. Oh, because you you wanted to go to that school, so you put down the wrong address. I think that's where I didn't. I was in charge did? of that. Yeah, yeah. My mom just survived. You don't know at the time. She just surviving. Yeah, know? but she got you into the school, but it wasn't the district you lived in. It probably wasn't the district I lived in. And so, then my my eleven when I time I came back in fourth grade, uh-huh. I was at a school I had it just wasn't clicking. I don't know what it was. Uh-huh. And then I got sent to a this mixed school called Jolly Elementary. Jolly? Jolly Elementary. A mixed school as opposed to a black school? Mixed school opposed to like a black and African school. Yeah. And uh, I tested. I took a test, one of those standardized tests, and I tested out of my class. Yeah. Yeah, that's and good. advanced science, English, and math. Yeah? Yeah. So, so you got to jump a grade? I got, they put me, I went from my all black class to a class with five black people in it. Uh-huh. And and, that, and how did that change things for you? Uh, it was an adjustment. Yeah. I remember walking down the hall and people from my neighborhood would just take our heads and just mush them <laughs> against the lock. <laughs> like that's what <laughs> the separation That's what you get. That's what I got. You know, it was like, <laughs> "Oh, you you over there now." You know, and then you would have to get on the bus with the people and get dropped off. Uh. Um, and I remember I got in trouble. I couldn't go to gym class, and they put me in this class. Yeah. There's three classes. It's advanced class. It's regular class. There's behavioral classes. Mm. 
So I remember like vaguely getting put in behavioral classes because I couldn't go to gym. So they made me sit uh, in the class with behavioral class. And I remember sitting on a desk and they were going over math or something. And mm. I was like, y'all stupid. Something like that. Yeah. Like, y'all don't get this? Y'all yeah. stupid. Right. And we all, they got mad, apparently. Why couldn't you go to gym? I got in trouble. Oh, I couldn't what? go to recess. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I had disciplinary problems. All, always had disciplinary problems? I don't think they were bad as, like, people in my neighborhood. Like, yeah. I wasn't bringing guns to school or right. selling dope or nothing, but... <laughs> I do remember hitting a chick with a book because she called me immature. immature. Oh, I closed well you showed the book. Her. <laughs> I closed the, the science yeah. book. It yeah. was like a frog on the front. Yeah. And I looked at the book, and then I just took the bottom of my hand like a pie, and I just, poof, hit, uh, hit her in the face with it. That's no good. Yeah, I got in trouble. Uh, so with with all this going on, so obviously, you know, as a comic, you know, we all had disciplinary problems. So true. I imagine you were just a smart ass and causing trouble and whatever, right? Yeah. No guns, no drugs. No guns, no drugs. No, just being a smart ass and yeah, just being a smart ass, hitting and girls get, in the face with get books, beat up, just getting beat up. You all got the beat time. up too. Yeah, I mostly got beat up. Really? The girl I hit, but the face beat my ass, and the coach was gonna stop the fight, and he was like, "Let him fight," <laughs> and I was like, "Motherfucker!" Like it's a window, you know that window that closes. Mm. Oh, she had on like patent leather shoes and a dress. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she didn't even grow. And she beat you up in front of everybody. She beat my ass in front of everybody, and then uh, we end up going to high school together and she never grew oh really oh so she just stayed the same, same size same size and she's <laughs> bragging about that shit i like here i like seeing people i haven't seen in a long time when they come out of nowhere and you're yeah like, oh my god don't you yeah i've been surprised man i've been surprised and it's like oh you made it yeah right you a lawyer right or you are you are yeah still alive right yeah and yeah. not only that like you successful and we came from one not the not the you know we came from a certain place where a lot of people and you know i don't know if you people fall off oh yeah and the older you get yep. it's like yeah they like uh, they fall off or they you know you get to a certain age people start dying you know what i'm saying i ain't want to say that but yeah, <laughs> yeah i got 13 dead people in my phone and i cannot erase 13 13 from the, this past decade i'm just that's, just so that's recent shit yeah like yeah from natural shit natural and like it started, you know, the younger you are, it starts with unnatural. Right, like, right. Sh- getting shot or the car wreck. Boyfriend OD. shot her. Yeah, oh, yeah. all these things. Boy- boyfriend shot her? Yeah, my best friend's sister was, was, and the baby was killed by like a boyfriend. Oh, and the, that's terrible. And the last thing he said to me was like, you should get out of here. You can make it far, you smart. Atlanta? Yeah. So we, that was the we shit. We was that- in the hood and they were playing on the car at night. And um, that's what we, and I was, it was weird because. For somebody to do that and say I love you, that's that's weird shit. So he said I love you and killed him. And uh Did and he then kill the next time no. Nah, no, nah, they caught him. Mm. But yeah, the police caught him before the family did. Well that's a old you know, that's an old adage that I read. A, a police chief said that, you know, people only kill people over two things, you know. Money and pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I read that in a book. Uh there's a quote from a police chief. I think it's an old an old idea i don't know yeah it could be true no of course it break it down if you if you keep it broad you know like what money equals property anything that you own like, yeah you know, if, if it's a big category yeah so okay so you when did you end up getting out i mean like what were you doing when did you start doing comedy i start my first time on stage i think i was at a talent show in college oh where'd you go to college uh southern polytechnic state university where's that at uh marietta 
um, okay. in Georgia. And uh, what and, were you uh, studying? Engineering, uh, electrical so you, engineering. You had a big plan? No, no. <laughs> Stay off the streets. I, I, my freshman year, I went to another school in Tennessee, and I ended up selling crack for a little while. So uh, this was just to stay. My goal was to stay off the streets. Like I gave myself ten years to be in college. Ten years. Ten years, yeah, because I can get financial aid because my dad was a crack addict at the time. So I could oh. just be like, okay. So let's explain this. So, so you're growing up in Atlanta, but not in the hood. You didn't get to the hood till later. Yeah, I didn't get to when I got. I was in. I was in a decent. I was in a decent area, and yeah. I, I had good grades, and I was a nerd. Then I got dropped off in Tennessee. By my mom. What's that for college? Yeah, for college and a new boyfriend, and nobody ever went to college or could tell me how to survive this world. So, so, so when you were growing up, though, you did good in school. You I weren't fucking good. around. No guns, no drugs, no no nothing. drugs. My dad was already on drugs. Did by the you time know I was that? Fifteen. Yeah. You knew your dad was on drugs. Oh yeah, I found out the hard way. So your dad, like, but you didn't know him when he was in the navy. Uh no, uh-uh. no. So you knew him growing up, first six years on the farm. Yeah. And, but you well, only it's just a neighborhood, but yeah, they grew pro, they grew stuff sure. on the land, yeah. But you didn't know him to be a crackhead. He wasn't a crackhead at the time. Then. No. Okay. No. So, so you, when you he was a guy who worked and 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 probably was like a middle class man. Yeah. He had everything. Oh, he did. He had a, he had the house. He ended up having the house, the car, the boat. Yeah. Uh, the extra land. Another family? No, not another family. He wanted me to move back with him. Oh. And then the mental thing happened. What happened? Um, at the time, I really didn't understand, but he ended up get developing paranoid schizophrenic. How old was he? Um, that usually happens in your twenties. Um, I mean, he was I was he was twenty one or twenty two when I was born, so oh. it had to be like maybe late twenties, early thirties. Oh, yeah, and um, and um, <sighs> things just disappeared, and then the drugs started. Like, what do you mean things that, just disappeared? Like the house and everything was gone. His job, it all was gone. That's really? all I knew. And I remember... Because you were with your mom at the time? Yeah, I was with my mom. I was in Atlanta. And the, when I seen the house, it was a, this, uh, he was like, I want you to move back in. Look, I got all this, this stuff I accumulated to make a comfortable home for you. And then um, I remember him grabbing me by my shirt collar. Yeah. And was like, uh, this lady going around town telling people that I did something to her. And I heard that you're, you're telling people I did something to her. To who? To some chick. This and, is your dad? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was like, but I didn't. He was like, I just grabbed it like this. And he grabbed me by my yeah. my collarbone and my yeah. shirt. And he's like, but it's all good. You could tell them. They can come for me. I got something for them. And then he removed like the tiles in the attic Yeah. and pulled two Uzis out of the attic. Yeah. And I remember telling my grandfather, and he was like, I don't think you should see your dad for a while. So the next time I seen him, all that was gone. And they say he had some, a mental issue. What? Yeah. So you go visit your dad, and he says they're after him. He's got Uzis. Yeah, and he's ready. He's ready, and but you don't know, and you just calm. Yeah, because you've been in, you've been around some street stuff, so you just kind of know to remain calm. Yeah, but by don't this freak time, out. Been, yeah, There's don't a gun. freak out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that was the last time. So your grandfather, the farmer, said, "You better get out of here." Yeah, I mean, just don't spend time. Just don't. It's a. It's a you should. And that's see his him for father. A while. That's his father. Yeah, and he knew he was ill. He knew something was wrong. People, you know, started. He didn't know what though. Yeah, this is a black. You know how we deal community. We deal with health, uh, mental health. Uh, yeah, and it's a stigma, so we don't really know. So you just kind of like, you know, well, we'll my keep away from him. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's let him do his thing. He'll figure <laughs> it out. He'll, he's a growing person, you know. We could pray this thing away. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but pray, pray at a distance. Pray at a distance, you know. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. And then like I came back uh. to spend some time with him and um we ended up going to a crack house. But but so wait, so how did you know he had paranoid schizophrenia? Like it hit me later on. But did he like much, what, much later on? Was like, he put away? Uh I think I'm my grandma told me that they went to the clinic and I remember visiting him somewhere when he had on all white. Oh. And he was pretending like he was gonna flee that place. Oh, okay. And uh So you're still a little kid. Yeah, this in Augusta. I still was young and, and So he was in in an institution probably. Probably like yeah. around the institution. Right, or right, right, like that. right. Yeah. And um and then I seen him after that and I remember him being a security guard and trying to join the police force. Mm. Right? After he got out of the institution? Yeah, after everything. Yeah. And uh Was he on medication? Uh that I don't know at the time. <laughs> Did he ever end up on medication? He did, but then here's the scenario. Mm. When you're an addict mm-hmm. and you're on drugs, yeah. uh, you stop drugs, you stop all drugs. Right. Um, no, I get that. I'm, I, when you're a paranoid schizophrenic yeah. who's thinking that you were wrongfully fired from a job yeah. and you got a, a lawsuit with a lot of money coming, uh-huh. um, but people try to give you drugs to make you prove that you're not qualified to, right. to get your money, yeah. then that's a whole different level. So if a doctor try to offer you a pill, you gonna and you're paranoid schizophrenic, you think he's in on, on keeping it. you from getting, not getting your money. And this is what your dad's situation was? Yeah. Uh, and what drugs do to you, it slowed him down yeah. and everything, so he just didn't end up taking it, would put him further down. Made him more crazy. The rabbit hole. Yeah. So he got to a point where it was no bouncing back. Oh, so he was lost in his schizophrenia. He was lost in his schizophrenic uh, delusions. delusions, which I never understood until I did uh, my first bad acid trip in London. Huh. And I was like, oh, this is, what he, this is where he is forever. This is where he lives. Yeah. I did it for seven hours. He's here forever. It's a cold, lonely place to be. <laughs> so, so what's the story where you go back? Where he said, you know, when you found out that your old man <laughs> this smoked crack? I found out he did crack. I was, um, I had to be like 15. And, yeah. And um, I went with him and like, we, we ended up in the project. We were supposed to go to the movies and he gave me some money. Long story short. He was like, we finna go get some food. We gonna go to the movies. I'm just there to spend some time with him. Yeah. Um, and my mom never dropped. And you were in Atlanta. No, this is Athens, Georgia. No, but you went back. Yeah, you I know, went back. But you you were living in Atlanta. Yeah, I was living in Atlanta. And he wanted to see you. He wanted to see me, and my mom would drop me off at my granddad's house. The the farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Because she trusted him. Yeah. She didn't trust nobody else. Right. So he would come. He came and picked me up, and we went around the street. Somebody was like, give me a ride around the corner. Yeah. And I remember him saying, I got my son with me. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, we, like, just go for a little while. And then we went. And then that turned into basically like, you know, you there. And I remember, like, when I walked in the crack house, something's like, get out of here. Yeah. So I saw basketball. I went, picked up a basketball, right? Yeah. Went to the basketball, the projects across the street where my yeah. cousin passed. And I was just in the projects, like, by myself, real scared. Yeah. And uh, he came and asked me for some of the money he gave me, and I gave him some money. Yeah. And then he left, and then he came back and asked for the rest of it. Yeah. And I didn't give it to him. Yeah. And then he got disappointed. And he and then I got disappointed, and I remember his car driving down the street. He left you. He left, and then he ended up coming back to get high. And then we we went back to grandmother's house for me to get dropped off. Like no movies, no food, or nothing. And then I couldn't even. 
my mom was already at a place where whatever, so I couldn't even tell her yeah. really what happened. I just had to sit on Because you'd never have to, you'd never be able to go down there again. Yeah, and I just unraveled from there. Yeah? Yeah. What do you mean? How'd that, how'd that? Grays dropping, like. Oh, at, just after that event? Yeah, because I knew I had to do something. Like, I was like, I got to do something. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I got to do. And this is before college, but you're you're still in high school. I'm still in high school. Are you mad? Are you, are you, you know, getting into more trouble because of this? Well, not a, 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 like disciplinary problems, yeah. yeah, but it's like I ended up joining the basketball team. I learned how to play basketball. That day? Well, basically, yeah, the pressure was on. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only way I knew, like, to get out of the situation. I already, like, couldn't be with my mom because of mm. financial situations. And then this thing with my dad. So I just knew, like, well, like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, all right, yeah. So, yeah, man, I just end up, like, you know, I mean, end up on a partial basketball scholarship at this college in Tennessee. Yeah. And then so you I, go down and, uh, there and you don't know how to live, you don't know how to take care of yourself. Yeah, man, people getting money for the stipends for yeah. the basketball players, and I'm yeah. just there, like, on a partial scholarship, broke, um, just trying to figure out where I'm at. I'm failing the, my Christian classes. Yeah. And I've been going to church this whole time, you know? Yeah. So, man, I got— Church help? Yeah. Nah, not really. Um, I'd be horny in church, you yeah. know? Uh, but, um, I remember like somebody busted my dad out with a bat, like a drug dealer. And I remember being furious about that. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to kill this dude. Right. But I was like, I can't kill him. Like, I just can't kill him like this. I got to become like a drug dealer. Uh huh. And when the opportunity presented itself, I started to like go in and I wanted to see how powerful crack was yeah. because to make a man like climb a telephone pole. You know, who, who climbed the telephone pole? My dad. I heard my dad climb the telephone pole for some rock. You know, you hear all these stories, you know what I mean, that make you, like, furious, right? Yeah. And my aunt's on it, too, and my little cousin down there going through shit. going, too? My, my dad's sister is on it, too, On yeah. crack. And your cousin, too? No, nah, my cousin, young. He was, like, he's younger than me. Oh. So he was in the environment, though. So some drug dealer cracked your dad's head, and you wanted to kill him, but you figured you had to know what it was like to deal crack in order to yeah kill. you gotta be one you just can't like so you gotta think like him yeah you gotta like you huh. ain't no weapons and you ain't got nothing you ain't got no resources to really just walk up to a crackhead and just like yeah do i mean crack a crack dealer deal. and do it but then you know when you become one you like oh so you became one it's not his fault right yeah oh, i see yeah it's not his fault or he just you'd crack is that what you learned man selling crack is addictive it's addictive and you i had to get out of it just I, you didn't smoke it though no, nah, no drug. I still was sober the whole time, really. Believe yeah, it or not, right. yeah. You just how'd you get into the crack business? Uh, I got a keen eye for observation. The same way I got into comedy, yeah. observation. Uh huh. I knew at the time because of my paranoia. I knew who was in the building, who had straps. Uh huh. Every way in and out of a building. Uh huh. Even how to get into a place. Yeah. If needed be. Yeah. And those were good skills for somebody that's a bigger like OG than you. Uh-huh. Uh, that can bring you in because uh-huh. they in dan- they go to dangerous situations, right? right? And if you got a keen eye and know everything, and then it started with me stashing it stashing for somebody it, else, stashing it. Yeah, it was only just two of a two man operation at first, yeah. and it just started with me stashing it and knowing stashing where to put the it. vials, stashing the crack and uh, the cookie. When you break it in, yeah. it comes in the bottom oh, right. of a jar, and you, right. you sit there with the razor. And then um, you just can't keep everything on you if you ever been in that environment yeah. because, you know, crackheads will snatch it or you just don't know what will happen. Yeah. So you just need a place for it, the stash. Yeah. Or you'll keep your main stash. And we on a college campus. Right. So, you know. It was uh, easy to stash it? It was not easy, but 
we definitely couldn't keep it in the room we were in. So this is your roommate? Not my roommate. I had another room, and that was oh. the thing. Oh. We became roommates. Yeah. But we ended up with the master key to the dorm. How'd you end up with that? I always feel like it's, it's a weird situation, but somehow we got it off the ring of the of the RA the that? RA yeah. and made a copy in time to put it back. And what'd you get? What does that get you? Access to uh, empty rooms. Oh, I see. Yeah. So that was your. Stuff. And I could break f- f- uh, the furniture apart, so I could put it like in desk and everything like that, and people could be in the rooms and I know. So you were selling the crack on the campus? No, nah, we was off. Oh. Christian campus, but off the campus in somebody's apartment yeah. in in this neighborhood in the hood somebody's mom had an addiction for it so you barter you do a barter thing and and it'd be a crack spot you know oh i see yeah Yeah. so you had a little crack business we had a little crack business yeah it got bigger when i left but it was crazy because i remember it was a pharmaceutical company there and i remember looking at this in this town small town a nick was 50 dollars yeah that's how small the town is so it's a no-brainer like for two dollars worth of product yeah. Instead of $5, you're making 50 Yeah. This is just profit. It's a no-brainer. What, with the crack? Yeah. Yeah. So you go in and, like, you, you, you get you get a good sample. The crack cooker is the most important part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, That's the chef. Yeah. And if he make a good sample and you give it to somebody, they're going to be your mouthpiece and get everybody else, right? And we had, we finally got that, a good cook. Um And, um, yeah, man. How long did you do that? I don't know. I don't think it had to be long because I I got out of that school like within a year. So maybe maybe show. six months, a few months. You're lucky you didn't get fucking busted. It don't matter, man. Like it don't matter, man. It's just the issues. It's just issues by that time. Yeah. It's better to get busted when you're young than when you're older. Well, yeah, but you don't want to go to jail either way. Well, you don't know. It's just jail. <laughs> no, it's, it, at the end of the day, when you look at it, no people go to jail by now. Uh-huh. You know, it's just jail. Well, you didn't go to jail. I didn't go to jail. I, that was my main goal. I was raised not to go to jail. So, uh-huh. so how did you get out of the school? Did they, did you hit? The I got you, I, I got kicked out of the, off the basketball team. I was failing classes, and because I, of the crack business, it just I was just lost. It was yeah. fr- freshman year, and then this, my friend was dealing with his court shit. By this time, it was already like people were mad in the Who, town. The, your friend, the crack dealer, yeah, the OG, my OG, yeah. yeah. And uh, what was he dealing with? He was dealing with baby mama drama. Oh, that was that one. Yeah, yeah. That's a bigger issue, you know right, what I mean? Right, And um, and um, he was like, "I want you to take over this town. I'm gonna stay in this town and do it. I want you to take over this town." And you were gonna be the kingpin. I don't know what I was gonna be, but I I thought some. I knew somebody was gonna die. I know it was a point. Of, it was you cross a line that you can't come back. I think that's true. Yeah, and, and you I, just feel it. You I, don't know I, who I it's gonna it, be. I don't know if it's gonna be me or somebody. Yeah. I already had an incident where I was hanging. I had three separate lives. I was on a basketball team. I had this college life, and then I had this thing that I would do in the middle of the night. The crack life. Yeah. And I was hanging out with some white friends, and they went to buy some weed one night. I fell asleep, and we ended up in some project, and they got robbed. And the guys, I stayed in the car. When, when I got out the car, I seen these guys, like, reaching they, they hoodies. Yeah. And I was like, damn, are they after me? But the white friend, they was oblivious to what was going on. They thought I stayed in the car because I was scared. Yeah. I seen two guys on opposite sides of the building come with these guns. And when they all hopped in the car, gunshots erupted. And I found out that the one of those guys' uncle had kind of worked for us. Yeah. So it, it was a weird thing on the situations that other people were in. And I don't know if it was because of me 
Well, that's the thing about drugs. Yeah. Is you 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 increase the odds of you getting killed for some dumb reason. Yeah. That you might not have anything to do with. Yeah, and there's like, oh, I'm not even on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, I got on the college t-shirt. You know, I'm a whole different person right now, you know? Oh, no shit. So, yeah, man, it's like incidents like that, the pharmaceutical company, and I'm like, they win and they legal. Mm. They going to they gonna wipe us off the street and a new group of people going to come in. Mm. I'm like, this is a bad, this is a weird pattern. So you got out. That got out and then like the situation, like me killing my own, I felt like I was, part of me was like, I'm killing my own people. Yeah. You know, like it was sure. a lot that way in. So on. you no, you so you were able to get inside of it of understanding the whole uh, socioeconomic personal uh, evil uh, side of the drug business. Drug business, but you look up five years later, you broke, and them guys, you know, making probably like fourteen, fifteen thousand a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh, the numbers increasing. You know? Yeah. Like, but I mean, but then you got a moral struggle. You, you got, got the moral struggle, and like I probably wouldn't, have, you know, my, my anger issues happened then. Mm. That's the first time I remember me just being mad, and yeah. when somebody flipped you for some money, it's like, well, we gotta, we gotta do something, right? Did someone flip you for some money? I mean, the first thing that when we started, it was yeah. soap. Soap. Oh. Yeah. So it was a thing already. Like. So the first batch you bought was the first garbage. Batch was like, and then yeah, they don't teach you about that. You got to pay your dues with mm. in the game, like with anything else. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You take losses, big losses. You know. So. But you got out, and then you went back to Atlanta. I went back to Atlanta. Went to engineering school. Did you feel like you learned who you were? No. Oh. Comedy taught me who I was. So you went to engineering school for yeah. how long? Uh, maybe seven years. And you. Seven? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Off and on. I, I was there. You know what I mean? Did you graduate? I ended up graduating. That was the first thing I completed. Uh, and But that's when you started doing comedy in I college? started and then I stopped. I started comedy. I quit because I got booed. I've never been in a comedy club before. People say I should try. Where, at the Punchline? Uh, Uptown Comedy Corner in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, got Open booed. mic? Boo. Uh, amateur. Amateur night. night? I didn't know people go to Is that a black people. club? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Got on stage. Never written a joke before just went on and got booed and did, you, did you have a plan no plan why'd you go on i don't know people are funny i mean i used to crack people up at the table yeah just naturally uh so they're like you got to go on amateur yeah but you, you didn't have any plan you hadn't watched any no, comedy man. i you knew didn't... i knew about def jam De i watched def jam in high school while everybody would go on dates and stuff right yeah when I was in junior high my mom put a disc on my on my desk of martin lawrence talking shit album yeah and that was the beginning of everything. So you knew the idea? I knew the idea, and I watched it. I was watching it in high school. Death yeah. Comedy Jams on yeah. Friday. And uh -huh. then that made me a bully in school. Oh, yeah? Because I could they, talk, they, I could break, talk shit about somebody and just just hurt hurt their self-esteem. So yeah. all the bullying stopped, you know? And uh, I became the man for a minute, you know? Yeah. And it was cool. And that was the disciplinary problem. Yeah, I mean, I joined the basketball team. I would do so nerdy classes in the day and in the evening. I'm with the people. So your secret asshole. Well, I don't know. Probably. Let my girl tell it. Yeah. Yeah, so. But the first time you got booed. Yeah, I got booed, man. I quit. Right away. I'm like, this ain't for me. Right away. Yeah. So when did you do it again? Like maybe two years later. Then did I you, did good. At the same place? Same place. Where you put together some. Uh, I remember the act. first joke. Yeah, I yeah. remember the first joke I wrote. And then um, that night I killed, and then I got booed every night since. And then I quit again for like another year and a half. You did good one night, and then you go back once a week? 
Once a week, yeah. And you just stink. Stink, and then uh, instinctively something, you know, I, I followed my instincts, and it was like, this will take you to the promised land. And then I just fought my way through it. So you stayed there in Atlanta, going to school a bit, uh, doing comedy, no more crack dealing. No, that's over. Yeah, and then your old man's in the hospital or he's not? He's not in the hospital. He's doing from 15 to like 25. He's straight, like, hmm. drug. From, uh, from you, well, yeah. your age, 15 to 25. Yeah. He's not on anything and he's okay or he's not okay? I mean, he's on drugs, yeah. It's oh. hardcore. Like, he's withered down, oh. you know? Yeah, like, the finger, the burnt fingers and the oh, the oh, voice. He got one eye now. He leaves home for an extended period of days. Oh. Um, we had to go get him. Um for my college graduation. I'm like the first to graduate from college. We went and got him. Where was he? He was in Athens and we brought him back. And With we gave one him, eye? Yeah. We gave him a coat to wear, oh, like a pea coat. So he's like a street guy. Yeah, he's a, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah. One, he, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Sad? I don't know. You know, it was, I think it was, he should be there for that moment. This was a, sure. a, a moment, you know. So, um, you know, him and my mom would beef. I think he grabbed a booty or something like that during the uh, while he was there during the ceremony. Yeah, during the ceremony. But he's and, out of his mind, right? I mean, he's still he still got charisma. He, he's the most one of the most charismatic persons I, people I know. You know. Um, but, but he's beat. He's beat up. Oh yeah, he's but he's beat up, but he's still in good spirits. Yeah, yeah. But what about uh, the schizophrenia? Um, it's not as bad at the time because mm. we. I realize now he was just self medicating. Sure. Yeah, he was self medicating. So. When you graduate college, do you, is that when you decide? How how long after that did he die? Oh, last last. Oh, he died after TIFF uh, last year. Oh, just last year. I left. I left Toronto and came to LA. You were at the film festival for Honey Boy. Yeah, doing Honey Boy. Yeah, and then I had a week off. Some was like, "Don't book any shows," instinctively, and I didn't. And I had a week off between uh, Toronto Film Festival and Toronto Just for Laughs. Uh huh. I came home. I flew to L.A., I landed, I got the phone call, and then I went to Georgia. And buried your dad. And went, and he died, but I was with him, and he opened his eye, and we, we was able to communicate for the first time, and I was able to tell him that I love him, and, I, and I'm not mad at him, and I'm, and I'm proud of him, and he lived a full life. And, and there's no need to feel like you fucked up, because life is good. And he felt that peace, we had peace, and I felt them pass and my arm, I felt like this energy go through me, and his body get got real cold. And I told the nurses that he passed, and he like passed in my in my arms while I was really, yeah, it was peaceful. And my anger left when when I when that whatever went through my body, that tingly feeling, my anger left. So I was able to comfort my grandmother and stuff because I had to tell her mother that her child was gone, which is weird, you know. He was in a coma. He's in a coma the whole time, and I've been here before because my grandfather was in a coma. And I'm named after his my father. Yeah, I'm named after my grandfather. So when I showed up, my grandfather came out of his coma, and I was able to tell him I love him, and he passed that night. So it was like round two. You know, I'm the last yeah. Bowers. I'm the last Bowers, so I went down. You know. Yeah. Um, and all black. I got the hoodie on, so I looked like a grim reaper because my girl filming it. That's a problem when you like you date a director, like she filming everything. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, my family, I don't like cameras and shit around. Uh-huh. So uh, we played some Elton John mm. um, for him because that's what he, I remember he liked Elton John. Uh-huh. And the last time I tried to tell him that I 
that I loved him and stuff. And he had an episode Elton John was playing. And I thought he was going to die without him knowing how grateful I was that he was a great father. Mm. So I brought that Elton John back. Which song? Uh, Rocket Man and um, Tiny Dancer. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, which is the gayest thing to me you could play, but it's a very sentimental moment. For him. For both of us. Yeah. Uh, and it was a very one of the most peaceful moments outside of taking like shrooms that, yeah. I, that I've ever had uh-huh. in my life. And you you felt him pass through you and your anger left. Anger left, and I felt that peace for a long time. And this was just, what, last September, year? September, yeah, September the thir- Friday the 13th in September. Huh. Full moon. Crazy, man. Crazy. Beautiful moment, though. It's, it's no, I told I told his mom, told grandma, he healed. There was no other way to heal and, and for him to have mental peace. Right. Because before we would talk, once I learned how to communicate with him, we would just talk and try to figure out who was trying to kill him. And how did he get in this situation? That was that was the, always the conversation. Yeah, yep. And but you knew that nobody was trying to kill him. Yeah, I knew, but you know, through improv, <laughs> you know, you learn the yes and crazy people, right? <laughs> so if you don't yes and them, you're gonna argue. I did all the arguing with him that I was gonna do. Right. So and, just... and I understood. Like I said, I had that bad acid trip, and I had to tell my family everything that he say about us that we're trying to kill him and stuff. It's real. Whether you believe it or not, if it's real in his mind, it's a delusion, it's real. There's right. nothing we could do about it. So, But it's interesting, though. I, I would imagine that once you start kind of like, you know, just playing along, that at first they don't really quite know what to do about it, but eventually they don't trust you either, correct? They they don't trust you, but you're still going along with it. Right, right. It, it allows you to talk to somebody longer and spend time with them. Right, right, but eventually they'll they crap out right they they you know you can talk to him for a while but eventually be like i can't i can't talk to you about it anymore well with me no i went the long haul oh, yeah. but when i left it was like i had to like come down uh, i had to cut you got your brain all fucked up i got all fucked up mm-hmm. like this is the person that you realize this person taught you about women or whatever he was right. teaching you about yeah, yeah, yeah. and he so, wired your brain to begin with he wired my brain if somebody tell you like man he might have been that way since he was 18 now that we look at it then that means everything that time you spent together uh, and that stuff he taught you might yeah. not have been well right you, you you just have the same grooves in your brain so you talk to him for an hour you're gonna leave going like oh, maybe someone is trying to kill both of us well, it's not. It's just. It's just the thing he talked you about women. About you can't trust women. They trying to they after your money and shit. Oh, oh. So it's about women. That's true. Cause mm. he had like two hundred women. Like, yeah, yeah. He got a book full of women that he slept with, like photographs. He showed me and my girlfriend. That's mm. his pride and joy. So, his um, book of women. He got a book of women and old family pictures that remind him. I realize it remind him of a time when everything was good. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, man. It's so like, did you have to? Un- unwire yourself around some of the things he told you about women or you believe yeah because i'm in a real relationship right so you learned yeah so tell me about this acid trip that changed your mind i was in i was in london and i was on a trip which is i never some told me to never trip in a city and me and my girl we was we was dancing Mm. in the square and everything Mm -hmm. was happy Mm -hmm. then i saw some trash and it went bad what kind of trash? Like London, like dirty London trash on the ground. Oh, like just garbage. Garbage. And oh. I looked up and the city became garbage. And we was in uh, near Buckingham Palace where yeah. they used to behead people. Yeah. And I felt Whoa, the, so the history of the, the empire history came the, down the, on the you. The energy, yeah. You yeah. absorbing all this energy. And I'm, I'm feeling man's need to take over and be powerful. And it comes from a place of loneliness. Mm-hmm. 
And I just got lonely. And my girl and her producer, they having a happy-ass trip, and they skipping in front of me, and they would go in a place, and I couldn't go in because the energy wouldn't allow me in. Yeah. And the cops would show up, and they just be pacing behind me, and I almost got hit by a car. And, yeah, so I had to experience this trip alone. Mm. And, and it was bad. Bad for seven hours. And then I had a— uh, And you believed it. I was there. I yeah. felt, I understood, I came out of it understanding it, but I knew that this was just a trip and it mm. wasn't real. Mm. But I was here to learn something. I had to yeah. go through it like that. So you had, you knew that you were on a trip. Oh, I definitely knew I was on a trip. Yeah. And everybody's phone died except mine and I had a battery pack and they was running around looking for things, battery packs or power so their phone could come on. And I knew I had all the power, I had all the resources, uh-huh. just like somebody who starts a corporation. Yeah. And and I saw that need to control the power, because if you have all the power, then people need you. Right. People need you. Yeah. And it comes from a place of loneliness. Mm. So uh, once I told them I had the power, people got upset, and I was like, I know. And they was like, how could you do us like this? And I was like, because, you know, yeah. that real creepy whisper shit. <laughs> And then I just, I needed to, um, my girl actually pulled me out of the trip. I looked in her eyes and saw love. And I remember running the tub full of warm water because I felt the need to be in my mother's womb. Mm. And I went and balled up and got into the tub. How'd that work out? Oh, I came down. It felt comfort. Mm. I felt comfort. So, but coming out of it in terms of understanding your father, it was about delusions being real, that they're only delusions to people that aren't having them. But to him, that's that's the way his brain is. That's this is reality. His life. This is life forever. Mm. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, so. You got empathy. I had empathy, but I know I could not. It's no more how we say, man, you crazy. Or, Why are you doing this? That's yeah. all, you know, that's all it is. And the family didn't, don't really understand schizophrenic. Mm. So now I'm like, this is what he have. Mm. I'm looking it up and I'm going to explain to my family, like, this is what's going on with him. Mm. Regardless of what, what the you know the you know what you think is going on, and they telling you about these shots, this is his reality that he lives in, mm-hmm. and it's real. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna, of course, not eat your food or say you're trying to poison him, or you gonna see him outside eating on eating your cactus plant and stuff like that, because he really you are trying to poison him. Um, <laughs> in his mind, in his mind, yeah, which is tough for the family to accept. Yeah, right. So, but you got closure. Yeah, we got closure, which is a is a beautiful thing in in life when yeah. you look at this journey and really, yeah. and and yeah, it's it's trippy. Like my whole set is kind of like trippy now. My hour is like trippy. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's scared. It's scared black it down people. And he does, it scares black people. Black people be scared of that. that Why? That that, that uh, LSD talk. Oh, they did. They are because it's not acid is not anything like that's heavy in our community. No. Yet. Right. But I'm gonna get it there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do it a lot. I've done it enough to really under- get the message. Where'd you get hip to it? Um, Ari Shafir. Oh, yeah? Uh, Shroom Fest 2014. That and, was it? And Joshua Tree. Uh-huh. And I did it, and I met the creator, and I got an understanding. I had a human experience. On mushrooms first. Mushrooms, yeah. yeah. Not, not a black experience. Uh-huh. I explain to people when the, 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 the weight of being blackness was gone. Mm-hmm. That heavy weightness that we carry, the trauma that we carry around from slavery, that ended. Mm. And I had a human experience and found out actually what it is to be a human, um, which was like the good and the bad, that the destruction that we have caused on this planet that all of us are responsible for, as well as the beauty. Like everything we got, computers, airplanes, we created mm. from this planet. Yeah. 
So and then I had a spiritual experience after that. So I just kept moving up in levels. Yeah. Um, what that was all on one trip or that after was one, one trip. And so you sixteen hours. And you had the God experience. Yep. I met the Creator. Like, but you had God in before. I only had the voice, like the spiritual thing of mm. God, you know, guiding me, like yeah. that strong instinct of like, don't do that, don't get in that car, yeah, um, don't go over there that night, right? And things would happen, yeah. so you learn to trust that, trust that voice, right? And then, but the mushrooms, you met the Creator. I feel I met the Creator, and and, and when I say it's almost if I met God as a spirit, and He was like, y- you sit in this driver's seat. And I realized that how co- connected we are to the source, mm. and every we're responsible. Our responsibility, like almost, if we created plants and we created living things, and we're responsible for these things, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I couldn't even step on grass out there because it felt like the grass was looking at me. And uh, I create, like they were my children, and like really, like going deep into this the vibrations, the vibrations, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the wind turning the jazz, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's really, connected. Yeah, so frequencies, uh, frequencies, and not and I, I, I couldn't listen to rap music after that. Too uh, too violent. The, the frequency is just like heavy. The heavy bass, Beat and, you and, up. yeah, and falling, getting this this real trippy music to listen to for like a week, because it took me a week to really come down. But it's good. So it reconfigured your brain. Yeah. But you did work with some trippy dudes. You work with Eric Andre. He's kind of out there. Eric is on. They out there on a the whole. Yeah, they on a the whole another level. But yeah, they out there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I end up with that that whole alternative. That's where all my alternative stuff. That's where it started. Came from and after the, the trip. Um, well, the trip. Everything led me there. Okay. Everything led me there, and and then the traveling got heavy. Yeah. Going to Japan and going to Israel for the first time with your girl, with my girl, and like you performed there. I did, yeah. A place called the Dancing Camel. Yep. So when you started doing comedy, it was primarily uh, black clubs. Black clubs. I got boo, and the comic named Ron G was like, "Yo, shit, smart and clever. You should do uh, these white rooms." And then I did the punchline, and these other rooms, and uh-huh. then I started having success. No and shit. And then I got in the punchline. Yeah. And start working weekends, and uh-huh. then uh, another friend of mine, Drew Thomas. He was like, man, you raw and edgy. You should check out these. A lot of comics are out here that make people laugh and they do simple stuff. Check these comics out. And a comic who was a television show host, he was like, go see this guy. I'm like, you want me to see this guy? And that was Joe Rogan. Yeah. Joe Rogan came through the punchline and I saw Joe Rogan. And I was like, damn, he talking about real like shit, like edgy shit in front of this conservative ass Georgia crowd. And then I saw Chelsea, Chelsea Handler come down who yeah. was real raw yeah. and I was like oh so I can do this thing you know what I mean yeah. and then Slappy Squirrel you know Kathleen Madigan yeah. uh, who I ended up hosting for you know uh, the club would try to tone me down like hey you gotta tone down uh-huh. or they would cut my time yeah. and I was like if I'm if I'm killing these features why can't I feature and they was like they bring the features from LA or New York and I right. was like I gotta go to LA and New York and that was the beginning of, the, of of that talk, you know. Yeah. When did you move here? Two thousand eight. Oh, economic it's been a crisis. While. Yeah. Economic crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, it sounds like you like just went to school at the punchline. I went to school, but the really, I, it was the beginning. Mm. The beginning, but leaving home and coming to L.A. and sleeping in your car and like doing all that that, that crazy shit. That you did I, that, man, for no reason because I couldn't work. I just could not work. 
So I had to do the, the other choice, which is to be the bomb and just work on the craft. Yeah. I remember trying to get a job. My instinct was like, why are you spending three months trying to look for a job when I gave you the resources, the tools to actually make money? That's what my instincts yeah. say it loud and clear. I was standing in line to fill out an application or something. And I was standing with my homeboy, and they was like, hey, man, you got to pay rent or move out. And I was in that line. I was like, man, I got to move out. Yeah. And I moved out. And I slept in my car on Hollywood Boulevard behind the Laugh Factory where the houses were. And I remember like waking up in this neighborhood from coming from Inglewood. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is a nice air's area. People were jogging in the morning. Yeah. And I would go to that coffee bean on Sunset and yeah. I would wash up. And uh Neil Brennan just moved here and he saw me in a coffee bean. And he yeah. let me stay on, stay at his house that weekend. And I realized like, oh, I don't ask nobody for shit. And then I ended up crashing on people's couches. And me and Josh Adam Myers, we squatted in an abandoned apartment in Mid-City. And then me and Josh tried to find a place together where all credit was yeah. shit. And we were broke. And then we gave up. And the day we gave up, we found a place to live. And you Beach, and Josh? In Beachwood. Yeah. And it just was the nicest place, one of the nicest places I ever had. How long did you live there? We lived there for like a few years. Um, then my, I was engaged at the time. So my wife came, and I ended up getting married in 08. She so came out here. She came out, and then that happened. And then eight, we lived together eight months, and it was it wasn't the best time. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Very depressing time. So you left the place with Josh? Yep. Josh moved out first with his girl, and then I moved out with my girl. And, and both you got us, married? I was married already. When uh -huh. I moved, I, I moved here engaged in, in 08. I got married. Yeah. And um, it was silly. Silly, you know what I mean? I never been married before. Fuck it. And I was like, I love this person. We're gonna try to make it happen, but there's no way nobody get married. Yeah. You know, stay in separate places and like Yeah. It, it's all delusions. So she came out here. She came out here and then she moved back. She, we got we got divorced. She was not happy. That was the same night you got passed at the comedy. The, that weekend I got passed. I remember her leaving and I went and did a set at the store. For Mitzi. Not for Mitzi, but I was already like on the list of getting paid. Like, I had already showcased and... What was it like when you met her? How did she... Cause she was she okay? Man, was she was it? not okay, but she had this look, this dreamy look in her eyes, and she was in a booth. They had a booth in the kitchen at the time. Yeah. And uh, I remember shaking her hand. It was like, it had a coldness and a warm, yeah. warmness to it. Yeah. Um, very soft. Yeah. And she was dreamy, and she looked up at me like that. Like, yeah. and Tommy was like, Mitzi... This is, he his voice was so soft at the time. Who, who Tommy? I mean, Tommy, yeah. The I never he heard his voice. To, talk to her. Yeah, so soft. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, remember you saw his tape? And he told me that she didn't she didn't understand shit I said on my showcase tape. Yeah. But she knew the audience liked me. Like right. I had rhythm or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I got passed to the belly room first. Yeah. So I was just working out at the belly room. So that was the system, the old system. The old system. And then I got brought down. You're non-paid regular. Non-paid regular. And then the, when my wife, my uh, ex-wife left, I got brought down to the to the main room. You got paid regular. Paid regular. Two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Her parents flew out and they drove off in a U-Haul. And I remember the truck going around the corner and I was about to get real sad. And then I remembered because they made a left. I remember walking my, watching my mom walk out when uh, we were separated and her making a left. So I, And I couldn't get sad at my ex leaving because I realized, like, oh, shit, I got this other thing. This other trauma. That I haven't dealt with. Yeah. And I remember going in the house and looking at betta fish, and the betta fish died, and I cried. Yeah. A betta fish is a, yeah, I had a little bowl for it. 
a betta fish is a fish that you buy is cheap. You get it at Walmart, and it yeah. can survive anything. It can survive so anything. So you, you saw your 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 wife's family. They take left. a left, and then it reminded you your mother leaving you at your. And I just walked in the house in Athens, taking a left. Yep. And then you walk in the house, and, and the betta fish died. And then oh, I, that's that when I it? cried. That's when you lost it. Yeah, that's when I would feel it felt like a failure because I could not keep a betta fish. You know, it's already but, hard to keep a woman. Regardless. I get it. I get it. But you, but you did just get passed at the comedy store. Yeah, and I got passed at the comedy store. So, so that was the. That's what was going on. That was going on. You're yeah. gonna let go of your real life and be a comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the. That's when the delusion started, as I say. That's the question I ask. What's the difference between a paranoid, uh, like a, a delusional father and a son chasing his dream? Well, you got you have awareness. Do I? I mean. I made some pretty crazy uh, decisions. Like no, I know, but but you have tangible evidence that you are doing okay now. Yeah, right. So, but so did he. Isn't did it? he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, At uh, the uh, end, though? A, a guy saying that this, uh, somebody's planning to kill him and they got him locked in the hospital, and they set him up, and is and he's in the hospital, right? Mm. Can't go nowhere. It's believable, just as believable as me saying I'm gonna make it in Hollywood. Hmm. Oh yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. But 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 the thing is is that you know, his his whole life was reacting. Your life was taking action, right? And you had a plan and you had a skill set and you sought out to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a long shot to make it in show business, but you you had a path. I mean, his life was constantly constructing and reconstructing a conspiracy against him. Yeah. And sometimes it was credible because he was locked up. But I don't see how it's that similar. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm... You got to be delusional to think you can make it in this business. But after you commit and you work the skill set and you get on stage and you do the business... Yeah. And you know you're good at it and you know you're creative and you make decisions to build your act and meet new people and take opportunities and stuff. Yeah, that's not the delusion. The delusion was thinking you could make it, but learning to how to do it and being successful at it, that's not a delusion. That seems to be real. Yep, so far. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you it's a little yeah. different. It's a little different, yeah. I don't know. I guess I still think of it in a in a well, crazy kinda, way. Yeah, it's crazy. We do, we're in a crazy business. Um, and it, it feels like it can all go away. And, yeah, when and it can. And it can. That's the cra- <laughs> that's the scary part cuz I you know what? Yeah. I've seen success go away. I know, man. Me too. And I've seen it in my dad too, so it's always like uh, that's different yeah. yeah it hits you hard like yeah. like chasing money and stuff i know is nothing there i guess that's true my dad lost everything too and i you know and I, I don't necessarily but see i can see why it happened and i'm not that guy yeah i don't think i am i don't know me neither hopefully but i get compared to him yeah. well you do yeah well i think you get well you know the thing is that you did something you know you took some risks with your brain yeah. and you sent it out there and you know you saw some shit you learned some things and it came back and so now you've got that wisdom. You don't live in it. I don't live in it, but you know when I'm sitting in a in mm-hmm. an award show mm-hmm. as a comedian. Yeah, I'm always looking around like, the fuck is this? How did I get yeah, here? Yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. And the, but the better thing is, it's like, what am I doing here? And yeah, <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. But when I see you, I'm, I get excited. Yeah, because I'm like, like, what are we doing? Yeah, here? this is a guy who do spots in the OR. Yeah. And um, went through this game, and and it it made you into, it brought out you. Yeah, 
Right, exactly. I I got into comedy to get me. Yeah, and and me, and that's where I feel I'm at at this moment. Like yeah. it brought, I'm able to yeah. talk about these things now. Yeah, and it's like, and now everything I get from here is a is a byproduct of the voice to yeah. me. Yeah, right. It's like, oh man, I found it. I yeah. found it. You found yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's and that always keeps me fucking straight in the head. You know, like uh, even at the award show or whatever, I like the idea. That like, you know, I used to fucking do big things like it was weird that I went to that award show and I didn't have a spot later. Like, you know, oh, yeah, like like I always do that kind of shit. Yeah. Like I'll go do an amazing thing and I'm like, ah, fuck, I got to. Yeah. I got a spot like Sarah Silverman's party. Like, you know, after doing that whole thing. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, I got to get over the or. Yep. And it it keeps me grounded. I did that the night before. I went to a W. I went to a William Morris party. Dropped my lady off. Went to the improv, came back, picked her up, went to the uh, Laugh Factory, then the store. Yeah. Then went home. Right. So you know who you are. It's crazy. You got to do that to, so in we know tuxedo. who we are. So we, <laughs> yeah. In a tuxedo. Right. Joe, my shit don't go over well all the time when I'm wearing a tux. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's nice to give it a try. Man. Well, I think, uh, I think what we've learned, though, is that, you know, whatever our journeys were, no matter how crazy or angry or delusional we are, we, you know, we know who we are because of standing on that stage. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to give that to people, man, like, like life is ups and downs. It's the summation of it. Mm-hmm. And we got to enjoy, you know, the, the we got to learn how to enjoy the downs just like we do the ups. Mm-hmm. Because when you see somebody pass, you know, a few people pass. Mm. And they smile, you know, they got that look like I did it. That's what it's about at the end of the day, whether whether life good or bad, we 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 gotta do it. Agreed. Thanks for talking to me, buddy. Thank you, man. It's been a it's been an honor and a blessing. That's Byron. That is Byron. You feel like you just got out of a head? Yeah. Uh, you can see Byron do his work. He, I think you can look him up online, see some of that comedy, some of his, some of his comedy. But you can also see him in Honey Boy, uh, the film, uh, the uh, Shia LaBeouf movie that Byron's um, partner d- directed. You can see that on Amazon Prime Video. And a reminder, the documentary about the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival, it started as a joke, comes out tomorrow, April 3rd, on video on demand platforms. You can pre-order it now on iTunes. Eugene is an old friend of the show, and this doc is about a lot more than a comedy festival he created. It's a very moving story about the healing power of comedy. And now I'm going to play uh, through a pedal through the uh, Vibraverb amp built using the built-in vibrato. I'm going to do a little uh, raga riff with, uh, with my Stratocaster. Here we go. Just, just like float, man. Just float.
Boomerland.